Hey, thanks for tuning in into the City Life Church podcast. We are a church in San Francisco, and we exist so that people that are far from God will encounter His presence and experience the life that only Christ offers. We pray that this word will challenge you and encourage you in your walk of faith with Jesus. Hey, what's up, church family? Hey, listen, wasn't that a great time in worship today? I sure love our team, and it's always fun just kind of hearing different ones leading us out and Man, our team is just so anointed, and I love hanging out with them, and uh, I love connecting with you. Last week, we launched a brand new series called Facing the Future, and we explored the life of Joseph through Scripture, and uh, we realized again that God works all things together for our good. He's in control, and even when things are kind of spinning out of control, even when the world, the weight of the world is on our shoulders, even when we feel overwhelmed, and perhaps anxiety is just squeezing the life out of us, God's still good and he's working in and through our lives. Today, before I jump into the next sermon, I just wanna shout out all of our care group leaders because they are helping me preach this series this month. So uh, all of our care group leaders, I love you. Thank you so much for just partnering with me and helping us break down the word of God and apply it in a real practical way. Obviously, this is a plug because if you haven't connected to one of our care groups, there's still time for, for you to sign up. We'd love for you to register. You can click on the link that we're providing here during this broadcast. Join any care group. There are care groups that, that uh, meet Monday through Sunday, different times, and that we'd love for you to connect to the family. And in doing so, uh, the small groups are gonna be breaking down the words that we preach. We're providing some extra video content and all together we're growing collectively. So I wanna encourage you to join a care group uh, if you haven't already. Today, we're gonna continue our series and the subtitle for today's message is this, why do bad things happen to good people? Why is it that bad stuff happens to people that love God, that are in covenant with God? You, you might be thinking like, God, I love you so much. I'm in covenant with you. But why is it that I'm going through some tough times? Why is it that I'm experiencing hell here on earth? God, what's going on? Did I do something wrong? So we're gonna explore some of that today. The key verse for this series is found in Romans chapter eight, verse 28, where it says, and we know, that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. So God's working behind the scenes and he's working all things together for our good. And the fact is usually like 99.9% of the time, we have no idea why things happen the way they do, but it doesn't catch God off guard. God is actually working and he's orchestrating all the different details of our lives so that he will receive more glory and so that he can fulfill his plans in and through us. You may have heard the term before, like, man, when it rains, it pours. And it feels like, man, during this pandemic season, it's like, man, if coronavirus wasn't tough enough, you know, all kinds of different things have been happening. And um, man, then, then it's like just a sequence. Let me, let me share with you some of the messages that I've received within just the last week or two whether people calling me or DMing me or texting me. You know, someone said, Pastor, my, my son left the house unexpectedly. Someone else uh, 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 sent me a message saying, hey, pray for my husband. He's been diagnosed with leukemia. Uh, another one, Pastor, pray for us, our business. We might have to file for bankruptcy. Uh, another one, uh, hey, Pastor, uh, I need some wisdom. There's some unethical things going on at work and I might have to like, you know, uh, I might have to resign from my position. Another person a pastor, pray for me because I've, I've discovered that I've got thousands of dollars of taxes that, that were not paid and, and I need some, some help. Uh, another one, 
um, this widow, she's losing her house. And uh, because of, of COVID and unemployment and different things, you know, she's needing favor as she meets with the, the, the judge to try to figure something out. Listen, she lost her husband and now she's on the verge of losing her house. It's like, man, the pressure is on. Uh, someone else messaged me, Pastor, um, I'm tired of this race talk at City Life Church. I might be considering going to a different church. And then someone else, Pastor, we haven't talked enough about racism at City Life Church. Talk is one thing, but action is, is more. I'm like, man, I just can't win one side or the other, right? Um, uh, someone else, like, Pastor, we're having to move out of town. The cost of living is too, too high. We're going to be moving out of town. Um, someone else, Pastor, pray for me because I've been, I've been having suicidal thoughts. All, all of this within the last week or two. Um, another one, Pastor, um, we're trying to be creative with our business, but the governor shut down our business again. Shout out to all of our hairdressers. All of you just started working again, and then they shut that business down again. Pastor, pray for my family. Um, the kids are going to be uh, studying from home for the next year. So they need some help trying to juggle work and the school life. And then there are many others, you know, joblessness, people who lost their jobs, financial crisis, uh, health, people that are struggling with, with, with physical, mental, and emotional health issues. Last week we talked about um, anxiety, how uh, one in three Americans have been clinically diagnosed as being depressed, they're fighting anxiety. And then real talk, can we be real, with COVID and everyone cooped in all together, the numbers for, for abuse, whether it's with spouses or, or you know, with, with children or whatnot, it's the numbers continue to climb. But these are just examples of messages that I have been receiving all within the last few days, couple of weeks. And, and then I've got pastors locally that are telling me, man, Pastor John's a man, pray with us, man, about 20% of our church has moved away. Wow. Another pastor said, hey, pray for us, man. We had 30, 30, 30, 30 volunteers move away from San Francisco. We're seeing the, techs, uh, the, the tech industry, the mass exodus, where they're just moving and they're buying properties up in Tahoe or moving out to other, other cities and other states. So the pressure is on. And when they say it rains, it seems like it pours, like it's all happening. It's like, man, how do we stay the course? How do we keep our faith tank charged and filled and full? How do we maintain a, an attitude of joy and gladness and happiness when, when difficult things are happening all around us all at the same time? Now, of course, we still love God. And of course, we know that God, intellectually, we know that God has great plans for us. But how do we deal with this? And maybe you're kind of like me where you're like, God, um, I thought we kind of like had this like priority pass hookup, like favor is our portion and your hand rests upon us, but God, why is it that we're having to navigate through all of these, these difficult things? It feel pretty overwhelming, right? Job, um, Job says in chapter 10, verse one, he says, I am disgusted with my life. He's like, just talking real talk. In the PJJV, that's the Pastor John John version, basically what Job is saying, my life sucks right now. <laughs> that's what he's saying. It's like, why is this all happening to me? And it reminds me of that song, it goes something like this. So you had a bad day, you're taking one down, you're singing a sad song just to turn it around, something like that. I'm gonna stick to my day job, y'all. But it's like, dude, it's like, man, I've had a tough day, I've had a tough season. Perhaps you're saying, PJJ, I've had a tough life. <laughs> the reality is we go through difficult times and um, sometimes things just aren't easy. And people say like, why are you so like bummed out? 
as a psalmist would say, why, why are you so downcast? Well, sometimes bad things do happen to good people. And of course, we know that we're children of God. And of course, we know that God's in control. But man, there are times when we go through difficult seasons and then the only thing left is like, God, why? Why is this happening? Last week, we explored the life of Joseph. Today, we're gonna go into the book of Job. It's spelled J-O-B, like job, but it's pronounced Job. And we're gonna read just a few verses together. And um, this guy right here, and I'll, I'll expound in a few moments uh, about the life of, of Job, but he went through it. He went through it. I mean, talk about tests one after another. This is what it says in Job chapter one, verse 13. It says, one day when Job's sons and daughters were feasting at the oldest brother's house, a messenger arrived at Job's home with this news. Your oxen were plowing with the donkeys feeding beside them. When the Sabians raided us, they stole all the animals and they killed all the farmhands. I am the only one who escaped to tell you. While he was still speaking, remember when it rains, it pours. While he was still speaking, another messenger arrived with this news. The fire of God has fallen from heaven and burned up your sheep and all the shepherds. I am the only one who escaped to tell you. And while he was still speaking, a third messenger arrived with this news. Three bands of Chaldean raiders. Man, those raiders, man, all the way in the Old Testament, you know what I'm saying? These Chaldean raiders, they have stolen your camels and killed your servants. I am the only one who escaped to tell you. And while he was still speaking, another messenger arrived with this news. He says, your sons and daughters, they were feasting in their oldest brother's home. Suddenly, a powerful wind swept in from the wilderness and hit the house on all sides. The house collapsed and all your children are dead. I am the only one who escaped to tell you. Job stood at the, he, he stood up and he tore his robe in grief. Then he shaved his head and he fell to the ground to worship. Think about that. And he said, I came naked from my mother's womb and I will be naked when I leave. The Lord gave me what I had and the Lord has taken it away. Praise the name of the Lord. In all of this, Job did not sin by blaming God. Wow, wow. So let me kind of give you a backdrop to Job's life. We find it in the book of Job. There's an entire book in the Bible named after this guy right here. It's right before the book of Psalms. So if you actually have a paper Bible and you were to crack it open right in the middle, that's right about Psalms. Flip it back a couple pages to your left, moving pages to your right, you would find the book of Job. 42 chapters. The first two chapters tell us a bit of a story and it's quite fascinating. Um, if you have more time to just unpack this, I encourage you to read the book of Job, particularly the first few chapters. It's kind of like, when it comes to theology, it's kind of like, whoa, what happened here? How does this work? But it talks about this man who was incredibly wealthy. He was very, very affluent, very prosperous. It says that Job owned all kinds of sheep and cattle and it would be the equivalent of someone being a, a businessman who owns multiple businesses and he's very successful. And it says that he had 10 children. He had three daughters and 10 sons. And, uh, and, and the family was happy. They were fulfilled. They would throw parties and he was respected. The Bible even goes on to say he was the greatest man in his day in that region. In the Eastlands is what one version would say. It says that Job was an upright and godly man. The favor of God was upon him. Everything that he touched just, 
it prospered, it, it turned to gold. Everything that he owned was just awesome. Everything that he did was just successful. Like this dude has got it going on. He's very successful. Things were going good. And he was like a priest. It's like he would, he would pray to God. If you read the first few verses of chapter one of Job, it says that sometimes when, when his kids start acting up, he would go and offer sacrifices to God and repent on their behalf. It's like, man, he's successful, but he's also a worshiper. I mean, he was doing great. And then, as Pastor David would say, the plot twist. <laughs> because you find in chapter one of Job this fascinating story where it says that the angels, they would come into the presence of God to kind of like give account. It's like they had an appointed time to go to God and kind of give him the reports of how they've been doing. Both good angels and apparently fallen angels. Why? Because it says that Satan, the one who was kicked out of heaven, the one who was 86th from the presence of God, it says that Satan one day appears before God to give account. And God says, hey, so what are you doing? What you been up to? And he says, oh, you know, you know, just kind of going back and forth and kind of like scoping out the land and, you know, checking up on people. And God's like, so, so what you find? And there's like this exchange apparently. And God then kind of does this thing. He goes, he goes, have you checked out my servant Job? Have you, have you seen how blessed he is? Have you seen how upright and godly he is? He loves me, man. And Satan talks to God and Satan says, yeah, of course he's, he's, he's fulfilled and he's happy because you've blessed him so much. How could he not be happy? He blesses you because you've hooked him up. But I guarantee you that if you, if you hadn't blessed him the way that you have, he, he wouldn't be a godly man like that. And God's like, hmm, is that what you think? Obviously God had a different perspective. Is that what you think? And that's when we find in chapter one of Job what the Bible there refers to as test number one where God says, all right, I'll tell you what, you can't touch him, but everything that he owns, it's open game. You can do whatever you want. Let's see if he truly only loves me because I've hooked him up. Go ahead. So then you read on that, that the devil came, Satan came, and this is the passage that we just read right here, where all of a sudden these messengers start coming and they start saying, Job, man, this happened. Your business, it just crashed. This business, it went bankrupt. This happened, disaster, calamity. Worst of all, your kids, they were all hanging out together, partying, and then and at this party, all of a sudden, this wind came and knocked down the walls and it killed them all. All of your kids are dead, not just one, all 10 of them. And Job's response in his culture, he just rips his robe and he just begins to weep to God. And he chooses to worship God in the midst of the most hellacious possible day that anyone could experience. He pretty much had lost everything. The Bible goes on to say that his wife, though, was there. And as you continue to, to read, she continues to, to talk to him. This is what happens after this first test, test number one. Job would, or excuse me, Satan would go back to God sometime later. And God's like, hey, so what do you got to report? How about my boy Job? What's going on with him? Tell me about it. And God, again, in his sovereignty, God already knows everything. It's not like he needed a report. And Satan has this, this dialogue with God. He's like, well, yeah, but I mean, when it comes down to it, if his life were on the line, it's like if he had to choose between honoring you and saving his life, it's like, dude, he would turn his back on you, God, for sure. And God's like, I don't think so. I'll tell you what, I'll go ahead, I'll go ahead and allow you to touch him. 
You can inflict infirmity. You can do whatever. Just don't take his life. And Sam's like, all right. So as you continue to read now, this becomes test number two, Job chapter two. He comes down and he inflicts this infirmity on Job where all of a sudden from the soles of his feet all the way to the crown of his head, he is covered in these boils and these blisters and they're despicable, they're nasty, they're painful, they reek. And it says that he goes and he sits on some ashes and he grabs some some clay pots uh, that are cracked and he grabs these tiles, if you will, and he begins to scrape the boils off of his skin. So he's having the most painful experience imaginable. It's like being burnt from head to toe. And he's just in excruciating pain. Apparently they don't have doctors or physicians that he can go to for this. And he's just, he's there peeling his skin. And it gets so bad physically that his wife sees him in this miserable condition. It's like, oh my goodness, baby. And she says, why did you just curse God and just die? I want to get you out of this misery. This is painful. This is horrible. There's no cure for this. So not only is he bruised now physically, but even his soulmate, his own wife, then begins to tell him emotionally, just turn your back on God. Call it a day. Tap out, baby, in this suffering. And yet he chooses not to cave in. This is Job. Sometimes I complain, man, I've had a tough day. I've had a tough season. But then I, I'm reminded of Job for a minute. I go, oh my goodness. Yeah, I mean, this is, there's no comparison. And then the, the, the story continues for the next 40 chapters. You see Job then engaging in conversation. First, there's three friends that come through. And these three friends, they come and they sit with Job. It's the picture of compassion, right? Where we sit with suffering. And they listen to Job and they, they listen to all of the different things that he's, he's thinking and he's processing out loud. And then each one has an exchange and they try, to, they try to encourage him to do certain things and they're all giving worldly counsel and it's just, he's not having it. He's not listening to it. His wife at one point starts chiming in and eventually some, some bystander, some dude is coming by and he chimes in. He starts contributing and sharing his thoughts and his opinions. Have you noticed how... When we're going through tough times, everyone has an opinion. Everyone has their angle, their perspective. And it's like, man, who do I listen to? And in this, in this dying moment, in this miserable moment that he's living and going through, he's, he, he also has to try to be cordial towards his friends. And finally, it gets to a point where he starts talking to God and God actually begins to engage with Job in conversation. And Job is asking God, why? Why is this happening to me? What did I do? God, I thought I was keeping all the God rules. I thought I was being godly. I thought I was offering you sacrifices that honor you, that please you. What did I do wrong? And the friends, you know what their friends were saying? Hey, Joe, bro, I know, I know you're cool and you're blessed on that, but bro, obviously you've done something that's wrong. You've got some sin issues in your life because this, this doesn't just happen to good people. You've done something wrong. You've disqualified yourself somehow, some way. But that wasn't the case as we know it. And there's a handful of other things I could even be sharing with you about. The fact is this, by by the time we get to chapter 42, in this exchange, Job and God, finally, finally Job just kind of says, you know what? God, even if you don't give me the answers, I'm still not going to blame you. And then he does this bodacious thing. He actually prays for his friends. (laughs) These knuckleheads, man, that were saying, maybe they meant well, we don't know. 
but they were saying some dumb things. He chooses to pray over them and to bless them. And at that point, his fortune changed. When he began to speak blessing towards others and it was no longer about him, about his misery, about his pain, about his discomfort, when all of a sudden he geared his attention and his focus towards others and spoke blessings over them, God lifted that infirmity from him. It's amazing because he was healed. His wife through the process actually would die. And um, the Bible doesn't give us specifics as far as like how long was this process? Was it, was it a few days? I mean, it's, there's at least seven days recorded there. Many scholars believe that it was several weeks, possibly up to a few months. <laughs> Maybe it's as long as COVID, we don't know. But it was, it, was a, it was an extended period of time that this guy was in excruciating physical, mental, and emotional pain. At some point, God will lift that goes on to say that God then prospered him tremendously, that God would actually double everything that he had owned pre, uh, previously prior to COVID, everything that he owned prior to this challenge, this test. All of a sudden, God blessed him twofold, double. The businesses like never before, he was able to, to, to launch new businesses and to prosper. And God gave him actually 10 new children. I'm like, wow, he obviously married another wife. And the Bible goes on to record, I mean, just a little side note, that his daughters, three new daughters, his daughters were the most beautiful girls in that entire region. And he was able to live up to 140 years. So he saw multiple generations, his new uh, set of kids, their children, and their children. So God prospered him and extended his life. So just when it felt like, man, he's going to tap out and life is over, it's gone, it's done, there's no legacy, there's no heritage, there's no future generational blessings, all of a sudden God flips it and he blesses him even more than before. Fascinating. And again, if you've never read the book of Job, I'd encourage you to take some time, explore it, read it for yourself. It's pretty amazing. Oftentimes, you know, I think, man, Job, Job was one of the most uh, miserable dudes through scripture, when I, when I do the math, and I think that he lived for 140 years, and he was incredibly prosperous prior to this season, and then even more prosperous after this season, the fact is he wasn't one of the most miserable dudes in the Bible. He was one of the most blessed dudes in the Bible. His affliction, it did indeed occur for a season, but it wasn't for a lifetime. I'm gonna share with you 10 10 lessons that I learned from the life of Job. And there are many more, but I'm just going to highlight 10. And uh, so I'm going to start with this one, which I would call two myths that are debunked. I want to debunk two theological myths. Maybe you're like, what are you talking about, BJJ? Maybe if you're new to this game and walk with Jesus and whatnot, you may, you may not be familiar with this. But for those of us who kind of been around for a minute, there would be some within the Christian community that are just very passionate about this theology. And that is this, that if you're godly, you can't be wealthy or prosperous. That's a myth. Because obviously we see through the life of, of Job that God blessed him prior to affliction and then even more so after. So the, the, the myth that, you know, you can't be prosperous. And then the myth that, hey, if you're gonna be godly, you have to suffer. Life should be miserable your entire life. And people will take verses out of context they, they will quote, quote things that are just completely irrelevant. And they're saying, listen, man, if you have excess or surplus, you need to give it to others because that's what this person did or the early church did that and Jesus himself didn't have a place to rest his head. 
So, so they, they embrace a doctrine of suffering. But imagine this, God who is a father, who, who, who has children, we are his children. What father wants his kids to suffer permanently? No father. The reality is by us adopting that doctrine, we're taking from God the privilege of him being able to bless us. When Jesus said it's more blessed to give than, to, than it is to receive, it's because he was teaching us it's a joy, it's, it's rewarding to be able to be a conduit of blessing to others. It's so fulfilling. Just this last week, uh, my two sons, they celebrated their birthdays. One has gone into high school, that's J-Dog or Jaden, and then Ethan, now he's a middle schooler, and they both have birthdays on the same week. And it was cool because Ethan, he hit me up and he goes, Dad, I wanna buy Jaden his first uh, football cleats. And I'm like, wow, like, uh, okay, that's a cool idea, but where are you going to find that money? He says, I've been saving money. So he had saved his own money. He had gone online, found the cleats that he wanted to buy for his brother. And I'm like, dude, I kind of feel kind of guilty like that. Maybe I should help him because he's still a kid, right? And he doesn't have a job and so on. But I didn't want to steal from him that opportunity of feeling like, man, he had gone all in and he was fully invested. So I helped him go and we picked it up at the store, but it was all on him. He picked the right size and style, the color, paid for it with his own money. And then watching him watch his brother unwrap the gift was so cool. And, uh, and then through that conversation, Elena was like, wow, so, so you like giving gifts? And he's like, mm-hmm, discover that, that gifts are his love language. When it comes to this theology, God wants to bless us, but it doesn't mean that our entire life is going to be easy there will be suffering that we'll experience from time to time. That's a lesson that we learn from the life of Job. Here's another one. Tests, they're par for the course. In other words, tests in life, they're part of our journey. When we experience tests, it's like, hey, it's part of the process. It comes with a package. Tests, they reveal what's on the inside of us. Tests, they remind us of our dependency upon God. Tests, they validate what God has declared over us. I think of Jesus when he was baptized. Right before he started his ministry, God said to him as the father says, this is my son that I love and in him I'm well pleased. And then immediately after, he's led by the spirit to the wilderness to be tested. Why? Because God was wanting to prove his word. What I said about this guy, it's true. Here's another lesson from the life of Job. Everything that we have, it's a gift from God. Essentially, if, we, if we've accumulated anything, if we have anything, it's because God's chosen to bless us. A couple more lessons for us. God doesn't owe us anything, including answers. Oftentimes we think like, God, man, I've been faithful. I've been serving. I've been paying my tithes. I've been praying throughout the day. You owe me an answer. Listen, God doesn't owe you anything. He doesn't owe us anything at all. And sometimes we're so consumed with asking for certain answers that when in reality, if he were to give it to us, it would become immaterial. It wouldn't really even matter. If someone says, man, we may not have the answers today, but someday in heaven, we'll get the answers from God. Can I just tell you, when we get to heaven, we won't even care. Here, here's a couple more real quick uh, lessons. It's okay to cry out to God for help. I know we try to be strong and even grown men. Sometimes we're like, God, I need you. It's okay to cry out to God. Here's another lesson. Life isn't fair. Fact is, thank God life isn't fair. Because if God treated us fairly, we would all be dead. We were all guilty of sin. But in his mercy, he spares us. So it's not about playing the fair game. God is a just God, but he doesn't truly give us what we deserve because we deserve 
damnation, and death forever. Here's a couple more. We learn from our past, but we don't live there. We look back and we see the trajectory of where God's brought us from, but we don't live there. Job, in one of his discourses with God, he starts going back, man, I wish I could go back into those, those days. If anything, I wish I was never born. We can't go back in the, in, into the past. We can be reminded and we can grow from it, but we can't dwell there. A couple more. Oftentimes in this journey of life, God straight up is silent. Like we know he's present, but sometimes he just, he's kind of silent. And there's a reason for that. It's not that he's absent, but he can be silent. Here's another one. God is God and I'm not. <laughs> and sometimes God allows us to go through certain tests because he's just kind of reminding us, hey, listen, just a reminder, um, I got this, you don't. Finally, another, the last one here is, God's future for us is good, but he never said that it would be easy. Jeremiah 29, it talks about God prophesying or declaring through the prophet that he knows the plans that he has for us. Speaking over the, the Jews back then, but also declaring it over all of us today, the people of God, God knows the plans he has for you. They're good plans, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, to give you hope and a future. He knows the great plans he has for you, but he never promised you a pass that would get you through difficult times without feeling the pain, without experiencing some suffering firsthand. So these are just a few of the lessons and I could share many more, but I'd encourage you explore it in our care groups even this week as we continue to navigate and explore what it means to, to go through difficult times. How do we navigate through anxious moments and pressurized moments? Part of it is talking about the life of, uh, of Job. I'm gonna give you a few action steps to help you now. More than just the information, let me give you some application. What do we gotta do? Learning from Job's life who went through a difficult time, what are things that we should do? Three thoughts. Number one, whatever you do, don't blame God. Don't blame God. If good things happen, give him all the credit. If bad things happen, don't blame him for that. Don't blame him for that. The Bible says that, that Satan, the devil, he is the accuser of the brethren. He's the one that points the finger. We oftentimes are tempted like, man, God did. Listen, whenever you have those thoughts, those, those ideas that come to your mind, you find yourself getting worked up towards God. Sometimes we become frustrated. Let's be honest, sometimes we even become mad or angry at God as though he's done something evil. God is not evil whatsoever. God, our responsibility is to receive his blessings, thank him for it, but we don't attack him. We don't point the finger. We don't demand answers or explanations. Don't point the finger at God. Don't blame God. If something bad is happening, something difficult is happening, just say, you know what? I may not fully understand this, but I know God's good. His character is good. His track record is perfect. So if something bad is happening right now, there's gonna be somehow, some way, there's gonna be a blessing in this test. I may not understand it, and I may not be feeling it right now, but something good is gonna come from all this. Number two, an action step number two, guard your heart. And I quote this and I preach this all the time. With all diligence, Proverbs says, guard your heart with all diligence. The heart, man, it, it controls what, what is allowed to come inside and what, what leaves us. Guard your heart with all diligence. Don't allow your heart to become bitter towards God. Job's wife, she says, you know what? It's too hard. The pressure is just too intense. Just curse God and just bounce. Call it a day. And yet he had to guard his heart. No, I can't do that. God's not deserving of that. Finally, the third one is this. Pray for others. 
oftentimes we are so consumed with what's going on in our lives, when in reality, if we would shift our focus off of our own challenges and difficult times, and we began to intercede and pray for others, maybe reach out to them with a text message, a DM or something, and we become the conduits of blessings to others, all of a sudden the hills and the mountains that are overwhelming us all of a sudden, they're not as prominent. Why? Because God begins to elevate our perspective and we're reminded, you know what? Life is temporary. This too shall pass. Though we may not understand how this will play out, God's still good. So rather than being consumed by it all, I'm going to pray a blessing over others. And in doing so, watch what will happen in your life. I'm going to give you two closing verses just to build you up. Psalm 30 verse 5, it says this, his anger, speaking of God, it lasts only a moment, but his favor lasts a lifetime. Weeping or mourning, right? Crying. Weeping may last through the night, but joy comes with the morning. Listen, sometimes your night season is not literally just a night. It could be an extended or a prolonged season for weeks, perhaps months. But at some point, there is a morning season that comes, not morning as in crying, but the morning as the sun coming up, where all of a sudden God fills our lives with joy and he restores whatever the enemy took from us. Finally, 2 Corinthians 4, 17, Paul says it like this. He says, for our present troubles, they're small and they won't last very long, yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. In other words, man, you might be going through a tough time right now, but you know what? In the, in the big picture, in the scope of eternity, it's just like this. This too shall pass. Listen, I'm not trying to tell you that, hey, what you're feeling is not painful. When we're going through difficult times, particularly as I referenced all these different messages that people sent me, I don't want you to feel pity towards me or feel bad about me because it's, it's not about that at all. I'm just telling you, we as Christians who love God, we will go through difficult times. God didn't promise us a cakewalk. He didn't promise us to just navigate through life, just skipping around like nothing's happening. No, it's tough. And when it comes to uh, our nation, listen, the next three months, you think the political scene is ugly right now, it's gonna get worse. There's gonna be all kinds of crazy chaos throughout our streets. And, and, and all I can say is this, look, be reminded of the big picture. God is still in control. He's got you. He knows you, he knows your name, he knows what you're going through, he's gonna help you. Don't allow your heart to be troubled or overwhelmed. That's why, that's another reason why I appreciate the family of God because we're in this together. I wanna encourage you, don't, don't run solo, we need one another. Be a part of the family of God, join care groups, connect with different people. Let's battle this thing together. And if you're going through a tough time, don't do it alone, amen? Hey, let me pray a blessing over you as we wrap things up. Jesus, we love you. And God, I thank you so much that you're with us. Lord, in the, in the midst of difficult times and many of us are being uh, oppressed from so many different directions, God, I thank you that you're still God and you're still good. And though we don't fully understand why, Lord, we don't even need the answers. We know that you've got this. So we put our trust in you, God. We put our hope in you. Lord, give us strength, give us courage, God. And I speak a blessing over those that are just absolutely overwhelmed right now. God, I pray even as the enemy is just jumping on their back like a, like a thousand pound gorilla, trying to overwhelm them. God, I pray for the peace of God to reach each one. Where there's discord, where there's frustration, where there's just pain, God, I pray that you would intervene, that you would do the work that only you can do. I speak the blessings of God over my friends right now. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen and amen. City Life, thanks for tuning in. Thanks for being a part of what God is doing here. He's just begun, and he who began a good work, he is faithful to complete it. Have an awesome week. God bless you.